0: Hello, sales heroes, welcome back. Today, I am speaking to Spencer Wagner. He is the Director of Sales for Kelch Communities, a very special company with very special people. I hope you enjoy our conversation. And um, before we get started, we just launched our 2021 Sales Best Performers Report. You can find that at sherpacrm.com, and uh, looking forward to your feedback. So let's get started. Hey Spencer, how are you? I am doing
1: great. It's good to see you, Alex.
0: I'm really curious to first of all just tell your story a little bit about how you got into senior living. You know what what was the path to that led you to where you are today?
1: Oh, that's a that's a great question because it's always interesting to see how somebody gets into senior living and so my path was uh, a unique one I, I wanted to be uh, an expat my whole life and, and live abroad and uh, particularly in Europe is where I wanted to be and just come come home to America on holidays and, and whatnot but uh, my career Why? took away.
0: Why is that? Why, how, how did that come <laughs> about?
1: Well, I, uh, I had uh, lived in Hungary on a couple of different occasions, and I speak Hungarian and, and uh, worked for the American Chamber of Commerce in Budapest, and um, uh, the idea was to springboard that into with one of the multinational companies there, and, and uh, unfortunately, my, my wife had a uh, medical issue there, and, and uh, so we, we ended up coming home and kind of abandoning uh, what I wanted to accomplish, but uh, it all worked out really well. Um, because I still go back there as often as I possibly can. So I, I enjoy that. But uh, getting into it, a friend of mine, actually, he, he was into uh, the DME side of things. And so I stepped my foot into DME. Then I jumped into uh, home health and hospice. And then I got into seniors housing and mm-hmm. worked at a community. And uh, then worked into a regional position and then uh, currently where I'm at right now as the Director of sales for Kelch communities. been here in this position for four years now. And uh, loving every minute of it. I enjoy forming relationships with people uh, helping solve problems, um, especially given the, the tough circumstances that sometimes comes with senior housing and families making tough decisions but I, I love working with them and helping them out and solving their issues and, and creating good lives for our seniors
0: mm. yeah it's almost like you know when when I ask about um, some of my guests how did you how did you start your journey to senior hu- senior living seniors housing and and it's it's mostly by accident or by well I had a friend and but then you, you get bit by this bug, right? This, you, you, you fall in love with it. That's certainly what happened to me. So it's kind of like the big little industry. It,
1: it, it's, it's awesome. And it seems like uh, everybody knows everybody. And once you get in it, very rarely does anybody ever leave it.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's very true. So you said something, well, so much to unpack there, just from your introduction and your journey um this this love of budapest and all things european not all things european but um and then coming back to the states so tell me a little bit about your current company kelch and um you know for our listeners what is kelch what you know what audience do you serve anything you can tell me about that
1: absolutely so kelch communities was uh, were based out of olympia washington Uh, It's been uh, family owned and operated since 1958, and uh, it's a kind of a third generation now family operating it. Emmett and Alice Kelsch began the company, and their son, Aaron Kelsch, currently operates it, but he's got his children working within the company as well, and uh, family owned and operated has been a great thing. Uh, I worked on the kind of some very corporate style companies. And coming over to a family owned and operated company has been a, a great, a great transition. And with the skills and things that I've learned, it's it's been awesome to kind of implement new things into uh, the company and to really to make some some impactful changes.
0: So how many communities are you currently operating?
1: We have, well, we operate in eight different states and we have 35 operating communities right now, and we have another four under construction that should be completed either towards the end of 2022 or the beginning of 2023.
0: So so that's a very significant portfolio of of communities, for sure. Uh, Your typical owner-operator, you know, does, this this is a big scale, and I'm just really curious about, and my hat's off to the Kelch family and, and that commitment that uh, certainly there has to be so much passion there. Uh, but again, a lot of communities and and how do you how do you scale a company to be that size without losing that incredible culture of a family run business?
1: Uh, that's a great question. Um, Aaron Kelch has got more energy than uh, I've ever known anybody to have. And the passion for the for the for the business and for the people. He's a very hands-on owner. Um, and his attention to detail is incredible. Uh, his wife is also very involved with the community. She does all the interior design work. So everything that's in every one of our communities has been literally touched by her or moved by her or placed there by her. But his passion. Um, He is very involved. Uh, We talk about it all the time uh, on our weekly meetings, but he gets out to every one of the communities at least twice a year, which is a big feat for a man as busy as he is uh, to get in. And he meets with people, he talks to them. Uh, It doesn't matter if you're the executive director or the, the housekeeper or cleaner, he wants to know who you are and why you're there, and he, he instills in them the, the sense of the pride that he has with the family name and the quality that, uh, that, that we offer, and uh, he's, he's kind of old school in the sense that he, he writes handwritten notes to everybody. Mm. He, uh, everybody he meets in a community, he will send off handwritten notes uh, thanking them for their visit and just mentioning what, something specific that they spoke about.
0: That's incredible. That is inspiring. So now you're part of it, and you're leading sales for almost forty communities, soon to be about forty communities. That's a big job. Tell me about that. Tell me about how you view your job. and I, there's a couple of different questions, I suppose, that I want to pose and then let you talk. Um, so, how would you define your role? What is your 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 sort of your North star? when it comes to leading sales. And then um, what were some of the things that you noticed or you did in the last three years since you've started that um, you know brought some change or if you know, or evolution to to the company? So tell me about that.
1: As the director of sales, um, my job is is pretty simple. It's uh, to grow new streams of recursive revenue and grow occupancy. Aaron's been very clear. We have a great relationship with each other and very open and honest in, in where we are. And uh, I have a passion for this. Um, I love to succeed. I want to be the best. I want to be at the top of every good list there, there is out there. And so in my drive, I, I know I can't do everything. I cannot do it. So we've we've done a great job of hiring just the most talented people out there, either from outside the company or the hope, growth, and opportunity that our, our company provides by identifying the talent within the in our communities and providing them the training and the opportunity to move up. Uh, I never want to stifle anyone's growth. If I you know, I want to surround myself with the best out there, and most everybody probably could do my job a lot better than me. But it's forming that that solid team, and that that's the way I approach it. I played sports, I'm very passionate about all kinds of sports, and so a lot of my analogies with them are are sports related, and and it's creating that that team and uh, encouraging and mourning with them when it's tough and and lifting them up when you need to and, and and always kind of expecting even just a little bit more even in the tough times. Uh, it's interesting. So coming into the to the company, <clears throat> they it's a great company, but obviously I have different skill sets uh, coming from a very corporate style company. And uh, I think it was appealing to Aaron to have me on board for that. And so I've been very particular in things to implement. Uh, One of the things is I I wanted to I wanted our salespeople to have as much time to focus on their professional outreach, forming relationships with key influencers, and then also being able to spend time with the their their leads, taking time to to get to know them better and not having been not to be bogged down with paperwork or reports or any of that stuff and. Having sat in those chairs, I understand when people say, well, you know, it's just one more thing, just one more report that, you know, in their mind's eye, it only takes five minutes, but in reality it takes, you know, 55 minutes and you compound that week after week. So I wanted to remove as many barriers as possible just so we could spend the time in the selling zone.
0: It feels to me that coming from a corporate setting Okay, so that's my old idea of like how big corporations work, that you would have been actually more likely to ask for more reporting and, (laughs) you know, rather than clearing that. I mean, I think it's a fantastic and and such a such an incredible um, outlook on. Yeah, I want to remove barriers so that you can focus on what's important, which is generating uh, those connections and engagement with leads and professional referrals, and uh, and solidify those relationships and help people and solve problems for people. You brought in this idea or this this approach of of really building um, teams that strong teams that work to collaborate together. You know are able to focus in on what's what's important, and you lead them through that. Can I ask you, how, how do you find those people? How do you find people? How do you find salespeople?
1: That's a, that's a great question. Uh, Cause I've tried several different approaches and, and I thought, okay, there's gotta be some way, one way to, to find the top sales talent out there. And, and I realized there isn't, but you've got to constantly be looking for that talent. And if you see them, approach them, talk to them and and find out more about them and what their what their priorities are like and what what their drive is like uh the the sales process is is simple and aaron has this phrase and we use it all the time is sales is we want to keep it simple it's blocking and tackling that's Mm -hmm. what it is it's the basics and so in this world where we do have a gazillion reports and you know we try to slice up data a million different ways which does serve its purpose, but sometimes on the ground level, I don't wanna distract them and and bog them down. They do need to know what's going on. They do need to understand certain things. But again, maybe that's more of the regional level or back at the home office level where we're having those conversations. And then then we have specific messaging we use in order to inspire the communities because being spread across the country different markets have different challenges uh, sure. or some of them have the same challenges and it's like well if this worked over here in california maybe it will work in illinois and uh, and utilizing the best practices
0: i want to talk all data all about data and i think the remainder of our conversation i'd like to focus on that and 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 how you view it um, how you use it, et cetera. But but back to sort of on the ground level or where the rubber meets the road, which is really uh, the what, how salespeople behave, what they choose to journal, um, how they journal their their activities. Um, but beyond that, you know they they're, they're they're producing the data that gives us right an insight as to what's going on as imperfect that, as that might be. Um, but they're the, the heroes, right? They're, they're generating um, a record of, of their, not just their activities and what they did and how many of those things they did, but what were their outcomes and et cetera, et cetera. How much time? I, 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 I just want to disclose to people that you are using Sherpa in, um, in your communities. What, why are you using Sherpa?
1: It goes back to when I started with the company, I had some key objectives. I, I sat back, looked at where we were, looked at what our strengths were and where we could improve. And the data analytics is definitely an area where we could improve. And so I started my search because we were using a, a fairly simple, basic CRM system, mm-hmm. which it was I mean, it, it met our needs. Um but it didn't meet my needs. I wanted to have data to look at, to see trends and just understand things on a, on, a, on a bigger level. And that CRM system, I contacted them. They said, hey, we're not actually investing any time or energy into making this better. So then my search went and uh, I, I looked at just about everything out there and uh, came across Sherpa. And was very impressed looking at the software and, and understanding, oh, my goodness, you know, these are all, this is what's available to us in reports. Um, and there's a famous quote that our CFO has, and he, he, he quotes this all the time. It's uh, by W. Edwards Deming. He says, without data, you're just another person with an opinion, <laughs> which is so true. You have to have the data. And so in, in finding Sherpa, looking at it, it met my requirements. Plus, uh, it's intuitive uh, on the community level, being able to journal and keep track of everything. And and, and I just thought, this, this is it. This is what we want to do. And then uh, we endeavored to switch over our whole system right at the beginning of COVID, which I was a little nervous for because, you know, the world was crashing in and and then we're going to change our computer system. I thought, am, am I nuts? But uh, I know, I, I knew we needed to make that change, and we needed to do it as, as quickly as possible. So we made the change in July of 2020, and uh, it, it's been phenomenal ever since. I mean, 2021 was we, we were setting records uh, net move-in months. Uh, month over month. It was just these records. And and I, w- I wouldn't say, oh, it's it's because of Sherpa or the data, but it definitely helped us make better decisions uh, in a tough environment because we could see things. We uh, A couple other phrases that we use is we want to be nimble. We want to be flexible. And I think being family owned and operated, I mean, I, I go straight to the owner and, and we can make quick decisions versus going through 25 different levels of people that all have to put their stamp of approval on something to really reach the same conclusion that they had at the community of like this is the right business decision um yeah. and so it it really increased our time but uh, the, the the numbers were were great to look at
0: yeah and, so, and, and i didn't mean to make this a you know an ad for sherpa but you did make some changes in, in the data that I've seen, you you are performing um, really at a top level in terms of sales and results and conversions. So congratulations for that. That certainly is not Sherpa. It's really the leadership and the people and uh, more lives saved, right? More lives enhanced. Uh, actually, at Sherpa now we we're back at the office and our measure is we have a counter of lives saved. And it's basically drawing from Sherpa how many move-ins. And it keeps changing every day. And it's that entire Sherpa universe. And um, it's just really wonderful to see that there are tens of thousands of lives um, you know, being, being changed anyway. So data, w- what do you look for in the data? And, and how does it inform your strategy? Um...
1: We, we look at, you, you kind of touched on it, the closing ratios, the closing percentages, that, that's key because it tells me how well we're performing on the ground level at the community. And uh, we set some pretty high expectations some benchmarks. And, and I realized we had, well, my prior company, we'd been calculating those incorrectly because I like how Sherpa breaks out new leads and work leads. And it gives you kind of a better breakdown and analysis of the data. Um, It is about, I don't necessarily want more leads, but I want to be able to close them. Because as a salesperson, I always thought everybody that walked through my door, I wanted to close them. And if I didn't, it really annoyed me um, because I felt like somebody got away. But uh, we look at the closing ratios uh, intently and, and really hold our sales folks to a high standard and uh, we, we gently push and gently nudge, and um, and we, we expect a lot, and we want to provide them with the support so that they feel like they are getting any any support that they feel like they need from the home office, from a regionals, or whatever, but uh, the closing ratios, it gives us that window into the community, what's going on, because I can't be there all the time, so looking at the the number of new leads coming in how well do we convert them to to come into tour and then when they do tour how well are we doing at moving them in and then hopefully we're we're shortening those times down Mm -hmm. that we we help them in that process because i think the natural tendency for families is they would they just want to push things out because it is a big change and it's hard and and it's difficult decisions you know because i I promised i never would do this to my mother or father or my spouse. And you've got to work through those and find out really what the root root causes are. Cause they they came in, they inquired. That means that they're open. You just have to peel back that onion and, and really discover what the, the key points are and help them through that process.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Nobody, nobody calls a senior living community or retirement community just because they're looking for the future. There's, there's, a, there's a huge, you know, um, issue underlying it that they are not going to reveal to you right away. It's going to take a while. Um, but certainly, there's, it's, it's a very emotional, uh, very difficult decision. Um, one that I've observed as an outsider, I can't even imagine, you know, being 85 and making, number one, the decision to let go of my current and past situation that I've crafted my entire life, where my identity is um, to just abandon all that to the unknown, to one of those places that in most yeah. most older adults' minds are, you know, the place where I go to die or the place where I lose my independence, et cetera. So it's the the nature of what's really interesting and what we really are focused on is how do we accelerate or facilitate um, a decision sooner? Because we know, and our inclination I think is, if I don't know if you agree with this, but our inclination is to wait. Um, Everybody's inclination is to wait. We meet resistance once we try to push and try to close. Um, Immediately we meet resistance with most prospects because they're not emotionally ready. Uh, yeah they need it and so then we tend to abandon them because we don't know what to do with that resistance and and they push us away so we make them call leads we demand new leads because these ones aren't moving in and there goes the cycle right that person Mm -hmm. is left unserved or underserved or not helped so the, the the root I think is what's really interesting and the data reflects that is how good are we and how well trained are we in sales to help get to the root, as you mentioned, to the issue and the issues usually has to do with ambivalence you know, on one hand, I know I need to do something. On the other hand, I don't want to do that. I want to stay in the status quo because that's where I feel safe. And they can be ambivalent about when to move or whether to move or about all kinds of things. It's allowing salespeople, training them and developing the skills so that they can help facilitate the resolution of ambivalence. Because that's it. You know, it's not like, if someone's not moving because to your community, uh, but they're moving somewhere else, then it was a question of the product didn't really fit them as well as the other product. Do you find that we just tend to try to fight for those people that are ready to go and then we, we fight for them versus? Those, those people
1: that are ready to move, those are great. Um, and and I, I, t- I talk to our salespeople about it because I think those ones Will get because they're ready to make a decision quickly. It's mm-hmm. the ones that you talked about where just stepping into our buildings, they feel like, oh, okay, I've done enough research. I think mm-hmm. I'll manage, I think I'll manage it at home. And, and sometimes I, our biggest competitors, not the community down the street. Our biggest competitor is is not doing anything. It's the yeah. thinking that you're going to manage the situation on your own. And, and I always feel I feel bad when I hear, because I hear this often from families. I wish we would have done it sooner. I wish we would have taken advantage of all the uh, the amenities of the community sooner. Um, and our seniors are waiting longer for various reasons, but if we do a really good job on the sales forefront and talk to them and identify and really remove those simple barriers, it, and, and, and ask them, ask them tough questions because they're there and, and you don't do it in a mean, but you do it in a loving kind way. You, you ask those questions because they've given you the right because they're there. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and I think it's, it scares some salespeople are scared to, to ask those tough questions. And so we, we invite them to poke and prod them and, and say, Hey, you know, if, if, if we've overcome these objections, if we can show you and introduce you to people, why would you not want to make the decision today?
0: Yeah, I mean, certainly those are human beings. We're, we're very complicated, aren't we? And sometimes, <laughs> sometimes, uh, you know, sometimes people are ready for us to, to tell them what to do. They want that. Some, some of us are. Um, it depends on where we are in our journey, right? And it takes yes. some skills to, number one, identify where this person is. You know, what will be effective? What conversation, what's the nature of the conversation that will work um, for this person right now would would help this person in their own mind have a conversation with their own thoughts out loud so that they can resolve their own ambivalence and figure out why would I wait? You know, so so those tough questions are basically in order to ask them, I think we are afraid to ask them because we, are, um, we haven't built enough trust. We haven't earned the right to ask them. You know, if we just come out of nowhere as a salesperson and start asking tough questions, but if we, um, if we provide, as you've mentioned, that opening up, that trust building, that saying, you know, tell me everything, tell me all your fears, tell me all the reasons why you would even consider leaving your home. And then that, that, that's the conversation that helps that person resolve their own ambivalence because we can't do it for them. Um, but it's, it's, it, that takes some time and it takes some planning and it takes, right? It's like you said though,
1: building a relationship of trust. People will buy from those that they trust. And uh, and so that is so key. And it's a lot of it starts with listening right from the get go. You've got to sit down and listen to them, listen to those stories. And and, and again, you have to spend time with them. Uh, and as you listen to them, some of the, the techniques that we learn were just I, I would always have a notepad with me and I'd write down key words that they would say and then use their words with them because it was their words. It wasn't my words and uh, notice things that they would or wouldn't do or would or wouldn't like about certain things. And then you just kind of peel back that onion. You just keep asking more and more questions because if they don't trust you, if they don't think that you're have their best interest at heart, they they'll move on to someone else. And, And so we try and teach that with our sales folks that, you know, they don't want to be sold to. They don't need feature dumping in a building. They can come in. They can see everything. You know, they yeah. they know they they know and they can see what you have, but show them the compassion. Uh, really connect with them on a on a different level so that when they go away, they feel something different at your community. There's something yeah. different, and I like that. And some of that is through human interaction. We know that socialization is a big thing. And not all of the seniors love, you know, they're not like the life of the party, uh, but they love to be recognized. We all do. Mm -hmm. We love it when people use our name. And so when you come into the community, if you know it's a scheduled tour, it's like, well, why wouldn't we involve everybody? Because this is this is our one opportunity to, to make the best first impression, so you meet with our sales director, you meet with the executive director, the culinary director, our nurse at various times throughout their visit, and and they just reinforce the same message. So if everybody's all on the same page, again, they're going to go away with that awesome feeling in their heart of like, wow, I can't put my finger on it, but that. Well, place they is
0: different. that's right. They better. They better walk away (laughs) with this feeling of that's really cool because they're trying to decide whether to live the rest of their lives there so if we don't think it's important to generate that warmth and that that willingness to see them for who they are and to hear their stories and and to be interested in it to be interested in that what makes that person unique that's really what sales is it's 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 so simple you know, it's, it's so it's, simple. It's being
1: it's being inquisitive, uh, yeah. and asking asking all the questions. Ask them, because sometimes our Tennessee and people think, well, the, these buildings are full of seniors, older folks, and each one of them has lived an amazing life. Even even the ones that think their life was so boring, if you listen to their stories, they're fascinating. The things that they've seen and done and and it's like wow i want to hear that because in those stories is how you can help them because there might be other people that they could connect to and you can connect them in the community
0: and even even beyond that and i agree with that those stories can help you will enrich you as a salesperson will inspire you will give you an insight you know to your own life and and you know these are these are heroes these people that are willing to make such a big decision, so such a scary decision at a time where things might be difficult in their current situation. I mean, that is so freaking interesting to me and so inspiring. So, we, why not avail ourselves of those stories and not the stories for like the the line of the story, but the values in that story, the learnings from that, the wisdom from that story. You know, I think our job is to is to help. People, you know, go through that. Like, I'm not ready to. Like, I wish I had moved sooner. And, you know, how could we help them move sooner? How could we help them in sales generate, um, you know, strengthen their motivation, um, validate their fears, build from their aspiration and their their strengths, and not the fact that you need assisted living or you need care or maybe you don't need care yet, you're kind of independent, but on the, you know, how important I think for us, especially in sales, is to really see the person for, for what's right with them, not for what's wrong with them. And that will generate, and, and what's your story? What, what do you aspire to? That, that generates uh, this feeling of, oh, right there at Kel's Communities, or right there in my tour, or when I went to visit this community, I felt heard and listened to and, and validated, and never felt like I was being sold.
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's a, it's a skill that I think people can learn. Some people have it naturally, maybe a little bit more than others, but I think you can learn it if you have that desire um, to interact with with the families because you know that your your community can provide a great life for them.
0: What's really incredible is like we say like, oh my gosh, they would do so great here. I know it. I've been to their home. I did a home visit. They came for a tour. I know they would really benefit, but they don't want to do it. They're not ready yet. That is to me the 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 challenge right for our industry how do you once you know in your heart that this person would really benefit and you know in most cases if they called and if they can afford it and if they can use the product and if it's a right fit we know that if they call they're better off moving because there's an issue right whether it's with us or somewhere else that a change needs to happen we know that
1: Sometimes the biggest challenge, it's it's not the the resident themselves, it's it's the adult daughter, the adult Mm -hmm. son, to get them to help make the decision as well, Um, because they see your community through their eyes, um, and their doubts, and their fears, and, and everything, and if you can, whoever, whomever is in front of you, if you're talking to that person, if it's the adult daughter, You've got to be able to convince them that this is a great move, and not so much worried about. Well, okay, you know your mom's here, but let's let's you and I talk. What are your greatest fears? Like, what are your challenges? How do how are what does your day look like? Well, you know, I'm helping my mother do this. I'm helping my dad do that, and I'm doing this and that. So if you can kind of relieve that burden and say, you know, we can take care of all those things, and then you get to. Come in and love on your mom and dad. You can, you know, you get to be the son or daughter again, and we'll take care of all that stuff uh, the, the bathing, the, the, the dressing, the feeding, or whatever it might be. We can take care of all of that stuff so that you can have your life back and then love your parents just as much as you, you did before. And because that is challenging for them when they're the caretaker. And they still have their kids at home, all these responsibilities. So again, provide an opportunity to take stuff off their plate, but you have to show it to them.
0: You do. You do. Anyway, we could go on and talk sales theory here for, for a long time, but I want to get back to the data, if that's okay. So tell me about the data. You, you, you mentioned before about pivoting um, and you can do that quickly because, you know, you're family run owner operators are family, and you have direct access to the, basically to the decision maker. Give me some examples of that if you, if you want, and then how does the, the data, what data do you look at? So you have your conversions and look at how that's going. And then what do you look at if you don't like the conversions, you don't feel like those are good enough, what do you do to change them?
1: We meet on a weekly basis and discuss the company and what's awesome is we can bring up the dashboard now got a big screen tv uh, and we can bring up the dashboard and we can talk about specific communities instantly and the way it's set up now you don't have to run reports because there's almost these mini reports that give you a snapshot in these different tiles and and i love it because some communities are doing great it's like you know hey keep Keep doing what you're doing. And then others, um, you can see, well, uh, it, it's identified in red or green, how well they're doing, if they're up or down. And, and then, then we jump into deeper dive conversations. These The analytics has changed our conversations in our meetings. Instead of just kind of guessing and, and going, well, you know, I think we've got something buried in some report. This we can pull up instantly and look at. And conversion ratios are big. Number of, uh, you know, what are our outreach efforts? I like looking at the amount of time that our folks are spending with people. Are we, are we going too quickly? Um, because I, I think if we're going too quickly and I just, hey, give me more leads, give me more leads. Everybody wants it, but then you're, you're kind of adding more hay onto the haystack uh, mm-hmm. if you've got more leads because it takes time away from your current leads and, and we've tried to identify healthy numbers of active leads that each community should have and then operate within those numbers. Um, again, from the home office level, we look at it. Then we pass that down to regionals who then have conversations on the local levels with the communities. And again, I don't want to bog people down with too many reports or too many of this or that. Because I want them taking another tour. I want them doing another outreach call, another home you want visit. them to
0: yeah, you want them to generate data and not not look, you know generate yes. good data.
1: Well, they, I want them doing activities that can be directly tied in or tied back to a move-in. That's the most important thing. taking a phone call. It's I mean if, if we've got a meeting scheduled and they have a, a, a tour coming in, never, ever should they say, Hey, I can't take it. You know, I'm talking to Spencer. Mm -mm -mm. They can bump, they can bump me all day, every day in doing that because that, that just takes precedence over, but also it's, it's forming key relationships with professionals, those key influencers in their markets. Um, Because sometimes again, it's not so much the amount of leads, it's the quality of leads. If I've got people recommending us, Hey, you know, these families, they did, they had a great experience. I think, you know, you should go check them out. And if I've got somebody just sending me leads and, and I'm not naive to think that, you know, I'm going to have 25 doctors sending me leads. I would love that. That would be great. But doctors. one or two, <laughs> I I'd, yeah. I'd take one or two or one or two skilled nursings or just one or two key, uh, professionals sending people our way because i'm going to capture the other stuff because you know
0: because you know that a lead aggregator will give you you know at best a 6 to 7% conversion depending on how many leads they're sending you right so it's a spray yes. and pray kind of approach but you know i mean we know the data is telling us that obviously the conversion from a referral source is upwards of 40 42% so obviously uh, you want to focus on those sources that will give you the highest conversion and certainly for memory care assisted living or higher acuity setting a i always say that a few good friends is so much better than a thousand acquaintances so you know just figure out who your top sources are and and build a bond with them and that doesn't mean that you take them you know mugs with your with your community logo on it, it means you know about their kids and you understand professionally what their challenges are and how you can make that referral easier and that they understand. Send them a case study of of one of their referrals, you know, and what happened to that person, how that person was thriving after they referred it. Um, so important for people to feel like their referral change somebody's lives for the better and we sometimes get the referral thank you very much we love it send you some cookies but then we all forget about Mrs Jones and if i refer mrs jones to you i would love to have a note back to say hey it's been 3 months mrs jones is very lucky to have had you you know as someone that helped her find a place she's thriving etc cetera, etc cetera. these are the things that take time and thought and you're,
1: you're, you're spot on with that because uh, they want to hear success stories uh, yeah. versus treats or gifts or whatever. They want to know, they want to be educated because the better they're educated, the, the, the better the conversations they can have with families and other professionals. And, and it elevates you and your knowledge because when you know, uh, you know what's going on. And you can help families, you know what's going on in the industry, you just are that, that professional and the one that can provide the information. So, case studies is a big thing. The, the personal handwritten notes back to them as well, thanking them again, it shows attention to detail that they would assume, uh, infer that, oh, well, if they're doing this for me, they're definitely doing it for the other families and, and they're benefiting from that type of attention.
0: Yeah. So what else do you look at? So you mentioned that you with the dashboard you can immediately see red or green, you know, good or bad. Yeah, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But when it is not looking great, then then you have to dig deeper, right? What what might be going on here? And it could be a question of to your point. Um, the sources of leads? Are we abandoning leads too quickly? Are we working them deep enough? So you're looking at which metrics, which activities do you focus on in order to help you inform your strategy?
1: You know, uh, I, I like the time in the selling zone and those activities that they're doing to help promote that. Because um, again, I don't need more leads, I, I just need better quality because I think everybody is in somewhat, they're gonna fit into our building. They're gonna to they're be able to be a good fit somehow. And so looking at the time that we spend on the leads is huge. Is it, is it a follow-up phone call? Is it a visit? Um, I think home visits add so much value and COVID kind of put a monkey wrench into that uh, but being able to go out and just touch them and the number of touches that they're making, uh, it, it, allows, it allows the family to build a relationship with them and, and, and have that trust factor because we're supplying them information. And then again, it's not just you know, taking them a, a meal or this or that, but again, talking more about what, what their obstacles are, what objectives uh, they want to accomplish. Um, What are the the hindrances in their life? And by addressing each one as they come up, you build a stronger relationship. You have more information of what they are. So um, you can help, your closing percentages will increase once you have more of that information.
0: Oh, most certainly, right? The more you know, Um, and it, it just motivates you. I think home visits is a subject all in itself. Um, I love what you said about time because it is about time and really focusing in uh, time is precious and time is non-renewable and time is finite. And, uh, you know, in in this report, you're going to see that an FTE, a full-time leasing counselor can give you um, no more than four hours in the selling zone a day out of eight hours that they work. It's just not humanly possible to do more than that, and that's when you clear away most of the other noise around their, you know, their daily activities as a salesperson. Um, so I love what you said about really focusing them on the selling zone and and clearing away obstacles, so that if there's something that can be delegated that does not include those four buckets of things that we can do that involve that have to do with helping someone make a decision to buy whether it is being voice to voice or by email or face to face or in a home visit or 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 cl- planning or doing some creative follow-up those are the only four things that you're going to do to convert someone from a lead to a move-in and there's a bunch of marketing stuff that you could be doing there's some operation stuff that we sometimes sales you know are getting involved getting tangled in but so you got four hours a day from somebody that's giving you their their all and is super focused on the selling zone um that's what the data says over and over over years and years of of looking at the data um maybe you get someone that will give you five hours super focused you can't really maintain that uh for a very long time and that's surprising to most people because you think oh i hired a salesperson A salesperson and, you know, most of the day they're going to do sales things, salesy kinds of things, which sometimes includes going to buy balloons for the event, which is not sales. That's not going to convert anyone. I mean, it's supporting the whole thing Uh, or, you know, let's go check apartments for readiness. Well, that's part of sales. Is it? Yeah. I mean, you need to know the apartment. You need to make sure. But that's not time in the selling zone because you're not in that particular um, or doing reports to your point that will take an hour to compile. And oh, now I have to do the report. But before I do the report, I got to get out of the selling zone, you know, and just sort of do that mental transition to this other place. So I'm no longer thinking about Mrs. Jones's problem. W- what, what are the strategies? What are the sales activities? What, what is the time spent that will actually give me those incremental results? on top of the ones that are coming in ready, which everybody should be able to get if you do your job? Well, there's
1: coming into the position. It's like, okay, how, how do we motivate and elevate our sales performance? I mean, that's constantly on my mind and and numbers I'm I'm driven by numbers, like to the nth degree, which uh, there was to tell you how crazy I am with it. I went to the dentist several years ago and the dental hygienist was calling out numbers on my teeth and I didn't know what it was. She kept saying four and three, and and I didn't know what that was. So I asked her, I said, what are you doing? She says, well, I'm just measuring some things. And I said, well, Mm -hmm. how am I? Am I, am I a top performer? And she's (laughs) like, well, there's, she's like, there's room for improvement. And so for the next six months, I was diligent. I flossed my teeth. I brushed my teeth probably multiple times throughout the day. Because I wanted to have the best numbers possible, I came back six months later for my checkup, and I was so excited. And she's like, "Why are you? What you know? Why are you so excited?" I said, "Well, I want to beat those numbers." And she's like, "Are you serious?" So she did <laughs> it. I had improved every one of them, and she she kind of she told the whole office. She's like, "You won't believe what this guy is doing. I mean, he he's into this." And and I was driven by that. So I I, I bring that passion and. But I also understand, again, it's, it's taking stuff off of people's plates. There's the good, better, best principle that I like in sales. There's a lot of good things they can do. There's some better things, but then the best things are those simple activities that are directly tied into a move in. Like you were saying, I mean, could they be filling envelopes and sending out invites? Now, those are good things, but are they the better things that we should be doing? Or, or are they the, we need to do the best things So I I talk about that every month. We have a, a national sales call and we highlight those communities that succeed. And I invite a couple of communities on at a time just to share their best practices. What did you guys do differently? Especially it's been interesting during COVID because it has been challenging. I mean, COVID has affected everybody and yet we still grew. We had phenomenal growth. And sometimes it's head scratching to others, but it's like, no, keep it simple. Well, the simple blocking and tackling, good, better, best, but you have to form a relationship with people and with your professionals so that they trust you, that they want to refer to you, and that they want to move in. Again, looking at sales talent, I think we can coach up a lot of people. And then every once in a while, you know, you'll get those superstar those rock stars that just continue on but i think everybody can learn this it's it's simple it's relational it's spending time with folks and from my level looking at the numbers that's my job and then i i pass down information to those that need to know and then we have conversations that way because you can't overload a community like you said there's only so many hours in a day they can't do everything. And again, those activities where we think, well, that just takes five minutes, you can totally do it. it it's not, yeah. and it inhibits sales. So you've got to, you've got to let some things go. Uh, again, on my level too, good, better, best. What are some of the things that we can let go? Which sometimes is like, oh, we want to hold on to it because it's, it's, our, it's, it's our safety blanket or whatever it is. But give yourself
0: permission. Well, give yourself permission to let them go. Exactly, and and it's it's also the way that things. You know, one of my pet peeves, and and one of the things that I, one of the many things I'm very passionate about, um, regarding our industry and how things used to be, um, I I have observed in the in the past that, you know, oh, this is sales, this is sales job. Um, There was the inherently a disrespect for a salesperson's time. You know, we we don't really, well, we, we do now and that is changing, but again, they would be tasked with anything that was related to a move-in or an event or marketing or operations right after the move-in, you know, it was sales, that's sales job. And it's interesting when we do the exercise And this is part of the report when you do the exercise of calculating your time in the selling zone and people honestly sit down and we provide a list of things that most of us need to do if we're in sales, like, you know, some meetings, reporting, you have to have lunch, you know, you have to get a break Mm -hmm. during the day, et cetera, et cetera. And then we have them calculate, honestly, just how much time do you think you spend doing those things? And then, okay, great. So how much time is there left for sales for those, for the selling zone? And most people don't have more than an hour and a half. Most people, and some people are just on a negative. It's like, whoa, whoa. You know, so it's 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 not surprising that we tend to abandon leads that say they're not ready because they're taking too much time that we don't have any. And so, and we have the pressure for move so I think that instinctually, instinctively, um, many of us will just hit the phones and try to hit the lead base with call, howdy duty calls. How's your mom? I wonder if you made a decision yet. You know, and, and try to speed that up. And the data shows that the, the wider the net you cast in terms of trying to touch a lot of people with the little time that you have, you're diluting your effort and you're not reaching anyone you're not generating engagement with anyone. You're just desperate trying to figure out who's, re- who's ready to move in today. I yeah. mean, I'm tired of preaching this, but it just makes sense. If you have a little precious time and we have this whole analogy with water in your garden, you know, that's really interesting. I, I, we find it to be fascinating because I think it resonates with people. If I only have a bucket of water, you know, and I really wanted to reach the roots and yield crops, do I do a thin spray of water over a large field where that water is going to evaporate and it's not going to yield any crops other than the ones that are ready to pop up anyway? Or do I really focus in on a, on a smaller section of my field and really soak those roots? So totally over. Agree. Yeah, yeah. So over and over, the best performer will work fewer leads doesn't matter how many new, I mean, you need leads, but it doesn't really matter how many new leads you get. It does matter to the extent that it so dilutes your time and distracts you from what you've mentioned. Now, now I'm abandoning the work that I was going deep with this person that's not quite ready yet, but I'm helping them advance versus, you know, and then I abandon that effort for trying to keep up with all my new inquiries. It's a tough job. Uh, yeah, being,
1: a, being a, a sales director at a community is tough um, because time management is of the essence. And at, at our level, regional level at the home office, if we can take things off of their plate, they will be more productive. If we w- share data with them and, and keep it at the forefront so that they know it, so that their director teams know it, so that the whole building knows it, they will be more successful. Again, you have to talk about it. It has to be something that is said out loud um, because then then they know it's important because if it's not important to me, it's not important to them. And I need to tell them, these are the things that we need. The analytics show everything. They, well, they tell a story and then you can get the commentary behind it. I love the charts and graphs. I love seeing the three-year look back of what was going on you know, last year at this time, what did we do differently? And it sparked conversation amongst the, the operators and the, the sales teams on you know the home office because it's like, well, maybe we can help or maybe we're the problem. Uh, maybe we've asked too much, but I, I think having high standards for your salespeople, it's a, given, it's a given, you have to have it. And those salespeople, if you invest in them, they will rise to the occasion. You will grow even in tough times. I mean, the last two years have proven it, that uh, we've we've had a tough go at it, but we've been successful.
0: Spencer, I mean, I could talk with you for a very long time. I'm sure you have other productive things to do. And um, anyway, I'm very, very grateful for this conversation. Thank you for having me on. Will you come back sometime? Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, Alex. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Spencer as much as I did. He's one of those sales heroes that's out there trying to change the world of sales in senior living. I look forward to seeing some of you uh, on April 4th, 5th, and 6th in St. Louis for Culture Starter. Otherwise, we'll see you in two weeks for my next podcast. In the meantime, stay heroic.